Hello and welcome to the Lakeshore Records podcast on Cue With. I'm your host, Alon Leviton, and for today's episode, I had the great pleasure of speaking with the immensely talented, award-winning composer, Amelia Warner. We discussed how Amelia's sweeping melodies are burned into my psyche forever, the pros and cons of torturing our kids with piano lessons, Amelia's storytelling appetite for the classic, otherworldly, mysterious, strange, and the beautiful, the brilliance of Randy Newman and Rachel Portman, how to properly capture the sound of love, mischief, and a busy mind, Amelia's minimalist, anthemic, subtractive approach to melody, how to be a composer if you're not classically trained, the pitfalls of performance anxiety, the devastating simplicity of greats such as Johan Johansson and Max Richter, how to tap into the sonic DNA of a film, composing for comedy and conceptualizing dialogue as rhythm, music as a means to articulate that which can't be spoken, and so much more. Amelia Warner's stunning scores for Mr. Malcolm's List and Wild Mountain Time are out now worldwide via Lakeshore Records. Welcome, Amelia. Thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on all the success. Your score is phenomenal. I have so much to dive into with you. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you for that introduction. Of course. Um, so I have a confession to make to you. Yeah. I, I'm a bit of an sort of overly analytical musician. I have a sense of humor, but I can generally be stoic about my own emotions. And your music cuts through all my bullshit. Oh and God. makes these these annoying tears well up. <laughs> I feel like my my life is like a process of just allowing those tears to run their course. But I'm just very curious your background with, with music, what your first musical memories are, and what is your general approach to music or your thoughts about what is music? I know that's a big question. Oh, yeah, that's a huge question. I think... Um... Music is many, many things, but I suppose like the music that I write, not necessarily the music I like, but just the music that I write tends to be very emotional and tends to be a way of expressing things that I can't say or things that things that are just out of reach. Um, and I find music is my way of doing that or my way of accessing like those parts of ourselves that like. I can't really articulate. I guess I'm quite, I don't know, I kind of internalize a lot emotionally. So for me, music's like this amazing outlet and a way of, you know, um, exploring emotion, I suppose. But I think music is everything, you know, it's it's comfort, it's joy, it's grief, it's like euphoria, it's um, it's absolutely everything. How did you get into music? I mean, I know that you had a background as an actor. Yeah. Um, what's the transition like from that world into music? Is it just a decision? Yeah, it was a decision. I kind of took it in a slightly me- me- meandering, slow way. Um, it, it was like a number of decisions, I suppose. Um, I knew I didn't want to act. And that was something that I just... I was I was kind of really fortunate that I had opportunities when I was young to get into acting and I was really lucky and I had some breaks early on. So I suddenly was an actress and then and it wasn't really what I'd chosen or it wasn't, you know, I, I certainly didn't, I don't feel like I made this decision to act, but I knew that I wanted to be involved in films and I knew I wanted to be involved in storytelling in some way. And I suppose music had always been my passion at school, at home. I, you know, that's what I was obsessed with music and I played music, but I, um, I was self-taught so I can taught myself and then started to have formal lessons and really struggled. And I think that, you know, I just, my brain didn't work that way and I couldn't learn the way I was meant to learn. And so music, which had been my favorite thing, actually became something I really struggled with. So I kind of stopped playing everything. And then, and then just started playing again when I was a bit older and again, just did it my own way and played my own stuff and 
played by ear. So if I can, if I hear something, I can play it, you know, and it takes me a minute, but I can work it out. And I play everything from kind of memory and I can't really read music very well. It takes me forever to read music. I'm a very slow reader. Um, So because of that, I think I just eliminated, like the idea of having a career in music was kind of almost just not an option. I was like, oh, well, I guess I can't do that because I can't do the form. I can't, I'm not classically trained and my brain won't work that way. So I guess that's just not going to be what I do. But I never stopped making music and writing music. And then I think what changed for me was when the software came out on Apple and like Logic and GarageBand came out and then suddenly I was able to write music again, write music for, you know, for strings, write different arrangements, different parts and, and put it all together. And, and it was just really exciting. Um, but it was more of a hobby. And then, um, and then just a couple of things happened where I wrote some music for a friend who was doing a short film. I wrote music for a couple of commercials and seeing and and seeing music to picture and writing to picture something just really clicked and um and I just felt like oh this is this is this is the thing you know this is the thing that makes sense of of what I can do and suddenly it just yeah for me it clicked and then that's when I kind of decided to you know to pursue it I believe you have referred to it as functional music um in the past yeah Uh, how would you characterize because you've written solo for yourself yeah. for the world. I don't know how you, how do you characterize when you're writing for yourself versus yeah. something that's functional? And is that an entirely different process? There's obviously collaboration. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I personally find writing music that needs to be written for a reason, for a function a lot, not easier, but I'd just say more straightforward. I, I find I have way more motivation to do that because it's um, existing for a reason. I can see the effect it's having on something. It, it's it's being asked to be put there. Um, I'm not so great at self-motivating. So if there's no reason for the music to exist, I sometimes struggle to create it. But mm. when when there's an actual space for that music that needs to be there, I, I love having that space to, to fill. Something that I find to be very interesting about when I heard you in a previous interview talking about functional music, as your music relates to me personally, completely outside of the function. Case in point being um, Wild Mountain Time, oh, yeah. so, which, which I adore and the entire premise. And I feel like we can not worry about spoilers because people have seen it. Yes. I, so I was... I loved the film. I was so glad that we were able to put out the soundtrack, um, which you crushed. Um, and, and just the entire, I don't know, courage, I might call it, to commit to the insanity of the premise, <laughs> um, which I really personally appreciate. And I don't mean to go on a monologue here, but I, I, do, I do really appreciate the idea of like we all walk around with certain neuroses that yeah. really do inform our daily lives. And then you know, the, the big reveal at the end is just incredible. And this particular piece, Left With Two Gates, it's one of these sweeping themes. It sort of makes a nod to, um, in my, to my ear, the, the melody of Wild Mountain Time. Yeah. And, um, and it's just this, this piece that I would just would come to mind every time I'd be water, watering our garden every single week wow. without fail. And I'd never consciously thought of it but it was just interesting the idea that you are somewhere all the way across the earth making this thing for this film for this specific function and now every week some stranger is having it summons to the point where I feel like I'm going to look back on all the times where I was gardening and having this I love that really thank you for that because it's just this gift that you sort of surrender to a film or to a process but then it takes on its own life outside of it yeah. Um, oh, I like that. That's great.
what were your conversations like about the music? I mean, these sweeping melodies are are very um, bold. Yeah, I I I um I loved working on that film so much, and um it was you know really weird time because it was twenty twenty and um. And I did it all from my studio in the countryside in England and the director was in New York and the producers were in New York. So it was, it was, a, it could have been really weird, but actually it was just a really lovely um, experience. And I felt like there had, in a way I felt that it had to be quite bold and it had to kind of sell the idea in a way because it was so crazy. And so it felt like it had to have this, I don't know, slightly heightened um, realm. Like I wanted it to feel like really, yeah, sweeping. And I just wanted people to feel like carried away, you know, in this, in this slightly crazy, fantastical, bewitching world. Um, and I felt like the music couldn't really give anything away. I wanted the music to just kind of be quite straight in a way. Mm. Um, and, um, and I think that luckily John Patrick Shanley really loved melody. And so I tend to write very melodic music. That's, that's my, you know, that's how I seem to write. Um, so I felt like I was able to, have melody really sing out you know and have these strong melodies which was really liberating I think I came up with the melody the main kind of themes really early actually and it was one of those jobs where I'd actually kind of pitched on it and written some stuff and then it didn't go my way and ended up kind of going away and and then they tempt it with the um some of the themes that I'd written and so when it kind of came back round, those themes were already part of the film. So in some ways it was a really lovely job to jump onto because it was like those main themes were already in the fabric of the film. So I could just kind of build on them. And then there were some really fun cues, you know, like the kind of open the shutters and all the, you know, with the storm and the, and it, and I just remember that there was nothing was too much, you know? And I just remember John just being like, more, more, I just want, you know, and it was a really fun thing to write something that you knew couldn't be too over the top or couldn't be too big or too dramatic. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that section of the film because um, I'd not really done anything like that before. So you have this gift. Um, I've interviewed many, many composers and asked, I always ask, but I'm a composer myself. Um, yeah. So I always am trying to steal your tricks. Um, <laughs> but but one thing I've noticed about you that you have a real gift for is not only the gift for melody and big melodies and melodies that stick, almost like um, pop hooks in the same same spirit, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. But they don't step on the dialogue. And I'm wondering if that's a conscious thought that you have or do you ever go over the line and find yourself pulling back because... I find that to be personally challenging to write a strong melody that then doesn't. Yeah. 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 I think I have a, I have a thing about melody where I like it to be as simple as possible. So it's like, I don't like grace notes. I don't like notes that don't need to be there. So I'm very um, minimal in the amount of notes I'll have. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't like things to kind of be prettied up too much or like, Ooh, we can do it. I just like, and I guess that is quite almost like a pop thing or an anthemic, you know, I like things that I'll always just try and take away notes to keep, but keep like the, 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 the melody with mm -hmm. the least amount of notes. I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but that's just something that I definitely no, it makes sense. I like to simplify everything. I think if you have anything that's too fussy or moving around too much or too busy, it could pulls your ear away. Whereas if you have something that's just quite, and also I tend to do more motif type melodies that that repeat um you know rather than anything that's that's changing all the time or doing too much they're just really simple I think they're just really simple is the is the thing does it come down to just trial by error and taste yeah I think exactly that I think it just it's it's you can't pinpoint and and you can't even 
you know, I'm, I'm definitely not methodical in how I write or, you know, I don't know like the chord progression I'm going to use or how many notes is going to be, you know, like I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, oh, that was a great seven note melody. And I was like, I was like, oh yeah, it's seven notes. But I mean, I would never break things down in that way. I'm very, I just respond to what I see. And, um, and then there'll be, sometimes I'll, you know, I'll have written a melody that I love but it just doesn't work on the, you know, you put it to the picture and you're like, Oh, why doesn't that work? It just doesn't, you know, so you can't use it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely trial and error. And then there'll be something that will just stick. And actually with wild mountain time, there was just this one thing that I'd written and, and I remember writing it and it was for this big kind of montage of um, Rosemary's mother dying and lots of, you know, lot of this kind of, going through a season and it was very emotional and I just wrote something and I thought I thought oh well that's that's great but that's probably only ever going to work in that moment and that will just hear that once you know that's just going to be a kind of your one-time theme and then it ended up everywhere because it just worked so well to the picture and I just remember John being like oh you know I want it here I want it here and it was funny and it did just it just like took the picture took it you know it was just really interesting even even in lighter moments even in kind of slightly funny moments even in romantic moments sad moments and you sometimes you find one of those little hooks and you know it's like a key to the film and you go oh okay that's the key um yeah. at the time it was really clear to me what that was you know it took a while but once I had it it was um it was really useful it's almost like you're it's like the DNA yes exactly that yeah um which I noticed uh with Mr. Malcolm's list right off the bat it seems as though in the in the opening you've set the entire tone I mean you've got these you know the sweeping landscape shots in the countryside the rolling hills and uh, it's a period piece in the 1800s. And, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of information there, right? Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. Set, to set the mood. And I feel like that opening, your opening music is just so grand, but it covers what I feel like might be all the building blocks of the DNA of the movie. So you know sort of what you're getting into. Yeah. And, and it was funny because initially that opening sequence was about five times that long. So it was a big, long kind of overture. Um, and, and it ended up getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And it ended up being really fast. So for me, it just feels like this kind of whistle stop like, tour of the movie and of the score, you know, and it's just exactly like every little piece is there. But but like in flashes, um, it's like, you know, just little moments and then we're over there and then we're there. Um, so having to condense that was quite, was quite hard, but actually I think it's, I think it's ended up being quite fun. It's quite a fun opening. Mm -hmm. Did you, what was the genesis of your involvement in the project and what were the original conversations like? Um, so I think I, so I met the director, I think I was on a list. Um, and I think she, um, met a few people and we, we went for, we went for a walk together. She'd listened to, I just finished World Mountain Time. So she listened to that. Um, we had a really nice chat. We got on really, really well. Um, I just loved all of her ideas. I loved her, you know, I loved the script when I read it, but then when I met her, I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Mm. And, um, and we got on really, really well. And then she was like, um, you know, I'd love you to do it. And they had, um, a scene. So there's a ballroom scene where, you know, all the, the a big dance, 
and there's a really you know amazing dance between Malcolm and Selena and they were filming that pretty early on so she wanted she always knew that she wanted the score to come in for that so so that it's it's a waltz that they're dancing to and then it kind of fades into the score when they're you know gazing so you feel like you're in their private world in a way and so I wrote that love theme way before they started you know just before they started shooting and um and just kind of did a you know version of it that they could use in the um shooting of the of the of the ball so again it was a nice it was a nice way to start that job because I already had one of the big themes written and I knew that Emma you know was happy with it so it's it's a really nice feeling to go into something going okay well I've got one piece of it kind of set you know and I think if I'd have had to have started and been like you have to write a love theme I think I would have the pressure of it would have been really hard but because I'd done it and I'd done it not really realizing that it was going to be the love theme you know um it then it was the, the pressure was off in a way and then it was just deciding what the rest of the school was going to be well I mean so the sound of love right it's a it's a big big topic but I have to say like uh, the proposal piece yeah like this standalone I mean it works beautifully to picture it's immaculate to picture but I have to say you know doing the dishes etc etc it also performs just as well and it's just this four minute opus of love and you know the droning strings and the chords are so patient and you have these beautiful arpeggios and this culmination of these characters and their futures aligning and the sound that you have created to capture that is just stunning. So, I mean, it's not even a question. It's more of a congratulations. Oh, thank you.
Are you a romantic? Um, yes. I think and, I am. And, and like, I'm honestly curious, are you experiencing these feelings as you're writing something like this? You know how there's certain pieces that like, they really just go to the main vein. And I'm just yeah. curious, like, did you sense that when you were writing this? Did you feel something? Is it more yeah. cerebral? Is it? Yeah, I definitely like. I definitely feel you know when you that, that when you stumble upon something, and that was with that Mr. Malcolm theme, with that love theme, the proposal. Um, I, I kind of felt when I was you know when I found it that it was you know it definitely I definitely felt it in my tummy. Like I definitely get like a kind of gut feeling when I when something's right um and it, and it felt really right and again it was just so simple it was so simple and I was like this is so but it was just it was something about the the way yeah there was something about it just that just felt slightly unusual I don't know I think I the way I positioned my hands or something was just different to how I normally play so it created a different pattern and um yeah I I kind of I I knew that it was really lovely but um but I didn't know if it would work, you know, in the in the film or anything. Um, but then, luckily, you know, Emma just really responded to it, and it and it, and it did end up working really well. Are you when you're making that piece, or let's say a piece like it, um, that feels that that generates this tummy feeling? Let's call yeah. it. Yes. Um, are, are are you chiseling like you know the block like Michelangelo and sort of finding your way? Or do you do you hear it? Do you hear the enti- in its entire entirety? I usually write. So I usually will write like whatever the main motif is. So just on the piano, the kind of simple bare bones of it, and then all the other parts will start coming in, and I kind of hear the whole thing. Um, but it's and it's normally quite quick. That you know that all the little pieces and parts and then um and they kind of fly in and then and then we just have to get them into a voice note or something sing them into something or and then once I kind of sit down at the computer and start putting them in and piecing it together and then you know and then yeah I'll chisel and other things will come in and some things will come out and but um but yeah usually they I, I, I'll kind of play and then I'll walk away from the piano and then something will come into my head and I'll have to sing it and then I'll kind of get that down and then I'll leave. I think, okay, I'm done with that now. And then I'll go away and then I'll hear and then something else will kind of come in. So it's a weird, it's, it's kind of, a, it's just in my head's full of whatever that is for, for a while. So are there, just to drill down one, one step further, are there ideas flying in that you're editing out that, that are coming in and you're saying, ah, sorry, you don't belong here. No, not usually, actually. Usually it's like, oh, yes, that's what we need. And, oh, yeah, that's great. And, yeah, no, normally they're, they're all kind of, they're, they're, they're needed. And then, and then I'm sure maybe down the line I take some stuff out. But, sure. but sure. Those, those initial ideas are always right, I think. So perhaps it's because you're actually capturing genuine inspiration. Maybe that's why it works so well because it's just you're it's almost like you're a vessel for yeah it feels it does feel like that sometimes because I won't be deliberately thinking right and now I need something for the cello and now I need something for the you know and then suddenly I'll just hear something in my head and go oh great that's that Um, were there any I work with sorry and then I work you know with orchestrators as well so it's like then there'll always be an extra fleshing out and another level to everything um, once those kind of you know main melodies and and arrangements are there so that always you know will, will, will add another level to everything was there were there any conversations about composers of the 1800s or the sounds of the time period there were um, and I was really honest with Emma as well, because I said, look, I'm not classically trained. So if you want something that's going to sound really authentically from Regency England, I'm not the person. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I just, that's just not, um, you know, I can't emulate that in a, in a really 
realistic way. You know, I can do a, a take on it and a version of it. If you want something that sounds authentic, authentically from that time, then, then that's not me. But actually she didn't want that. You know, she wanted an interpretation. Um, and I think she, you know, she, she wasn't kind of quite, she, she was a bit more open to just being, having a bit of artistic license and just doing what worked for the film rather than being too finickety about the actual time and the music and what, what, what it would have been, you know, which was really nice because I didn't feel restricted. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it also just works really, really well. It might have been a bit odd had you chosen to go very time specific. Yeah, I think I think it wouldn't have worked. I think it had to feel slightly, you know, because the performances and the actors are so kind of brilliant and their humour and it just, it, it felt contemporary in some ways. So I wanted to keep that feeling of, you know, um, a bit feeling a bit, a bit new. Uh, you mentioned humor. How, if at all, would you characterize the sound of comedy versus drama? Well, it was actually really fun doing this because I haven't done much comedy, and I, I really have one, you know, wanted to for a while. So, I mean, while Mountain Time there was co comedy within that, but mostly I had to just play it really straight. Mm -hmm. um, but with Mr. Malcolm's List, it was fun because, and once I saw. Um, Zowie's performance and her, you know, Julia Thistleweight. Um, it was just amazing. And I instantly was like, right, we need flute, we need trills, we need, I just wanted this like frilly, mm. silly, you know, kind of funny sound that was like her mischief and her naughtiness and her, her kind of mind, like, you know, busy mind. Mm. Um, and so that's where all the, the and, and that predominantly was all woodwind. And I just found that woodwind was so expressive and so funny and didn't get in the way, you know, like you said, with humor and like it, with dialogue, because it's a lot of dialogue and there wasn't much space really for music. Mm -hmm. so it was just trying to find these little moments of just kind of peppering things with these little, you know, um, expressive moments um and I think that that's yeah that was that's what the Woodwind kind of came in and did all of that which was which was great and that was so that kind of Julia mischief side of the film was was predominantly all flutes and piccolo and clarinets and there's also an element of um I noticed in your score with some of the more comedic moments of, of timing and playing with rhythm yeah and and man and subverting expectations and sort of uh there'd be a gap here and then you know um did you did you laugh as you were yeah, I did <laughs> I really did because there's some really funny moments and I think it's and also it was quite I, I enjoyed doing this as well because like you say that there's a lot of stuff that's not in time or that's out of time and as a musician you have you have it an expectation of things fitting in a certain time frame, and I really had to fight against that instinct. Mm -hmm. I had to push against that thing of no, but it needs to go there for it to finish that four-bar moment. And it was like, but it can't go there because she's got her joke; it's got to go after that. And actually, it was realizing it can, it's fine. No one, you know, it, it, no one's there with a the metronome. Like you can just, you know. But it's funny; it, it's a hard thing, I think, when you're a musician to 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 miss the timing and to be offbeat and to push something and you know it's, it's not it's an uncomfortable feeling um but actually it was a really good thing for me to do I think I uh, Jeff Jeff Russo um composer Jeff Russo who's done like um Star Trek and a billion other things he mentioned something to me uh and when I was speaking to him that really sat well with me about this specific point that you're saying yeah which was um how sort of the the dialogue and the actors and what they're saying is, and I'm butchering what he said, but it's something to the degree of like, they're always the king and queen or queen. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, so to me, I interpreted what he was saying and sort of in, in line with what you're saying, it's almost like the dialogue is the melody to a degree. And so it's like, if you have a rhythm where the music might stop, well, the lead is actually going with the punchline with the joke. Yeah. 
And, and yeah. I find that to be very, because then, then they're in synergy there. It's like the orchestra involves the actual actors. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think that is the, the thing is that the, the dialogue is the rhythm, you know, mm -hmm. not, and that, that's creating the, the rhythm and the timing and you're just following that. So the music can, can you know, it has to, it, it becomes, you know, rhythmless in a way or in a traditional sense, you know, it's, it's all just following and fitting in these little gaps, these little moments, these little reactions. Zooming out a bit, as an artist, what do you see as your job? What do you see as your goal? What is your artist, art, if you have an artistic mission statement as a composer or within the film or outside the film? I suppose I really do see myself as part of the storytelling team. Mm -hmm. um, and my, the, my thread of that is music, you know, so... Um, in the same, the DOP's visual and that, you know, I really feel that like there is, um, it's just an a, a, a part, a piece of the bigger picture. And so I really just want my music to tell the story in the best possible way and to hopefully elevate the movie, elevate the performances um, and, you know, and just make the film as good as it can be. And I really do see myself as, as, as that's my job, you know, and, and also to fulfill the director's vision and the director's ideas and somehow be able to translate that into music that they love, music that works for the film. Um, and I suppose in an ideal world, retains something of my own voice within that, something of a signature, something that feels familiar, something that feels authentically me as well. Do you know what I mean? So I don't, want to completely wash myself out and you know I want it that because I think my favorite composers have that where you know their their music is completely brilliant and working for the film but there's something in it that I go oh is that that person or is that you know because they'll just be these little familiar things within it then um that and I enjoy hearing that I enjoy hearing that um person in it too it sounds like you're serving your function as the composer, as the, let's call it the sonic part of the storytelling. Yeah. Are there particular stories that you're gravitating towards? Is it, or is it the collaborators? I'm sure it's a combination of both. I mean, I think I, you know, I'm really excited about the idea of trying all sorts of, you know, all sorts of different stories. And um, I think that to this point, to this, you know, at this stage, I probably, I do lean towards, I do, I guess my aesthetic or whatever is, I do kind of like something that feels quite classic in a way. Like I think mm -hmm. like about with melody and, um, you know, I'm drawn to films that need a score that can feel quite classic and, and, and bold and melody and that kind of thing. Um, those seem to be the things that I'm drawn to. And um, and I also seem to always be drawn to things that have a slightly, um, I mean, actually Mr. Malcolm's would, would not be in this, but usually, but in the past, the other things have always had a slightly uh, like otherworldly aspect to mm -hmm. them. Like I, I tend to really respond to things that just have something in them that's a bit off or a bit heightened or a bit weird or a bit special or a bit magic or a bit, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, that's what I loved about, you know, when I did Mary Shelley and actually, um, well, Amount of Time as well, there was just this kind of, this slight otherness, which I really enjoy. Um, I love things that have a kind of mystery to them or, or a strangeness or, when I, and I also just really drawn to things that are really kind of beautiful as well. Like I am a bit of a sucker for just like things that are really, really beautiful and really emotional. <laughs> I'm I'm curious how you feel about the other end of the the spectrum, like the ugly and the dark, mm. the ugly, dark, and twisted. Let's say that which we might not want to endure ourselves, but perhaps explore the deep corners of our recessed, repressed minds. Yeah, yeah I'd love to do something on that, you know, on that side of things because I, you know, I I, I love. Um, I'd, I'd be really into doing something like that. It'd be really. I, I personally 
would love to hear what you would do for something like that because I find it to be it's it's hard for me as an artist to summons as many monumental um melodic themes that are really dark they tend to be these yeah. sort of like you know two note like or, or jaws even yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, three note little yeah yeah and I, I'm, I'm sort of yearning for I feel like there's another layer out there it's like an untapped mind that we need a handful of composers to just just go there yeah <laughs> be very I'd be very curious to see it um what movies uh shows or and or composers artists whether music or not composers or not really resonate with you and have influenced you jerry goldsmith and um again because just the most amazing melodies hmm. and um and michael nyman um has been a huge huge influence and then i think um, Rachel Portman, I mean, I absolutely love everything she writes. I just, mm. I think she's got this kind of exquisite, um, sorrowful, wistful, um, beautiful, you know, I just love her music. Um, who else? I love, I mean, I'm, I, 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 I'm very excited by, you know, people like Max Richter. And again, Johan Johansson was my, you know, was was my one of my favorite everything he wrote again I just couldn't believe how beautiful it was and and he was a master of simplicity you know mm. and how how few notes can I use to cause absolute devastation to your soul you know and he managed to do it you know with like three or four notes and it was just like incredibly powerful um and I just loved the yeah, loved the simplicity of his music and of Max's music. And um and I'm a, a big fan of you know Oliver Arnold and Dustin O'Halloran and Hauschka. And I love that that you know that all of those composers and what they do, um, the kind of delicate fragility and the you know, how beautiful the textures and um I think there's some really exciting people, you know, um working and I think who else? I mean, there's just so many. Um, I'm trying to think what I've kind of been influenced mostly by. I was a huge Danny Elfman fan, a huge Randy Newman fan. I absolutely love Randy Newman as an artist and also as a composer. Um, and his, you know, chord progressions and his strings are just like no one else. Mm. Um, yeah, I can't think. That's plenty. That's plenty. <laughs> We've talked a lot about melody. There's a lyricism, though, to to your melodies that I hear, and I'm curious if you if that's something that you've done uh, songwriting with lyrics. Yeah, I have. Um, so I started writing songs. Um, you know, probably when I was a teenager, and I recorded a few songs. You know, I like writing songs, and but I just couldn't perform, so I just could never, um, I could never get over that hump of like having to sing songs in front of people. And I did a few gigs, but it was just so crippling the um, performance of. You know, I just it, it, it just wasn't an option really. Um, and then I did think about writing songs for other people, um, and I and actually I love writing songs, and I wrote a song for Wild Mountain Time. Um, and I wrote a song for a film actually I just finished. Um, I wrote an original song for. Um, so I, you know, I do really enjoy writing songs. Um, but I feel like my talents are better used in in composing. I feel like that's just really where I, um, I just feel the most inspired and the most um, useful. If that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah. No. Of course. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's if it strikes you and you're able to capture, like we were saying, capture that inspiration, and then it delivers such grand moments. Of course. Why not? Let's have more. Yeah, I'd love to write. You know, I'll, I think I'll probably always try and write songs a bit. Um, but again, it's it's, um, and I like the idea of collaborating with people and writing songs. But I like the I like the idea of you know the the connection between score and songs and 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 
doing, you know, I'd love to, I mean, I've written a musical actually, which um, I had, was working, you know, have written all the songs for and all the lyrics. So I do really enjoy that aspect as well. And, and, is, and that, is that released? No, 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 not, not yet. It's only just, I've only finished, you know, the first kind of pass. So it still needs some work. And it's a, it's a kid's musical um, for kind of young, young adult. It's quite dark, actually. I think you've... Please share. Please yeah. share. I'm very curious. I'm, I'm honestly very, very curious. I just hear, you know, I find myself humming your tunes. And so it's, you know, coming out of my mouth. I can imagine slap some lyrics on them. On yeah. Things, and I'm sure, sure they'll be very, uh, very well received. Yeah. I love musicals. So I always love the idea of writing, you know, uh, those kind of, like, a, like a musical. What do you, what do you uh, find yourself doing musically with your kids? Oh, just, you know, pick, trying to sit there patiently while they bash the piano to bits and, <laughs> say anything and just be like, wow, that's great. <laughs> um, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I, I never want to push anything on them, you know? Sure. Um, and we have a piano at home. So the thing is, is that I just would play the piano all the time when I was about three. Sure. And, it, and you know, we have a piano sat there and they barely acknowledge it most of the time so I kind of feel like mm, are they going to be into it but then um I feel yeah I don't know we'll see I, I think my middle one is definitely she seems to be the most mu- musical in that way like she can hit she hears a song and she knows she knows it straight away she knows the melody she can sing it she can retain melody and words and she you know she sits at the piano and she actually kind of makes little patterns and she doesn't just um, you know, bang keys, but I don't know. I'm trying to just be like, not force them into anything. Not because uh, I think when they when they show interest, I probably get a bit too excited. Um, and I, you know, what kids are like if they sense your enthusiasm, they're like, ugh, I don't want to do that. So we we wrote we was kind of write a Christmas song together. So that's been something that's really fun. That that you know every year we write a Christmas song we write the words and we do a tune and so that's and that's they seem to like that I think it's probably me I'm the most enthusiastic (laughs) come on yeah (laughs) Um, yeah. I would argue that maybe later down the road they will be equally if not more enthusiastic and nostalgic oh maybe I hope so I'm I'm sure of it and I've I've actually personally I'm starting to come around with this whole idea of, you know, I certainly don't want to impose music on our kids because it's, uh, it's not easy. It's not an easy life, you know, mm. um, necessarily, but, yeah. but at the same time, I've started to think, and this is more in the back of my mind than my active, uh, you know, parenting at the moment, but yeah. it's almost like it's a gift I have to give them. It's like, it's something that gives me so much joy and there's clearly some sort of genetic contribution going on there. So yeah. it's, whether it's dormant or not in them, this is something that they can choose to rebel against, but at least I'm giving them the tools to make that decision. And in what way would you do that? Would you like, in terms of like getting them lessons and all Every, playing all, music or? I would share it. I share it as much as I can personally. I just sing like an idiot in front of them just free yeah. so they can, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to not have stage fright. So that's a gift that I try to give to all. Cause I'm, my whole thing is like, nobody fucking cares. No, nobody cares. And you're so right. That's the thing. You know, it's, it's my, my conscious sensible head knows, absolutely knows that. But then it's like my body goes into some kind of fight or flight ridiculous state. I hear you. I would just, if I was coaching you, I would actually say that it's, it's unfortunately a tragic opposite of your, of most people's fears. It's like, it's really sad that nobody cares. Nobody's, <laughs> like, nobody's judging you because nobody really, I mean, and if they do, it's like a fleeting thought of, yeah. uh, you know, some nuance, but um, so to answer your question, I, I, yes, I play and I, I occasionally will show them things, but yeah, I'm going to get them into piano lessons. They're a little bit younger than your, you do have a three-year-old, but um, yeah. we, we have a six, seven-year-old and, you know, lessons. I'm just going to do the whole, the full shebang. Yeah. She, she can just say, I hate this. Yeah, and that's when, what my eight-year-old says. I hate this. 
same piano lessons. But okay, well, well, here's here's the thing. I'm sitting here talking to you, and I know we're diverging a bit, but I'm uh, I'm sitting here talking to you now because when I was older than eight, I couldn't tell you exactly how old I was. Um, I had I had a piano teacher. I studied classical. She was one of these like, she was great. She was great. I should say nothing disparaging, but she was um, hovered over me with a pencil. Everything that I did, you know. Um, and one day when she got up to use the restroom or something like that, I I made a mistake. I was playing Heart and Soul. Well, not on her watch. Yeah. And and I made a mistake. And it was a blue note um, that just like opened up the universe to me because yeah. it sounded good. Yeah. And suddenly I was like, oh, I do like piano. I just don't like this stuff. Yeah. This stuff. I don't want to, I'm not going to be this like a classical pianist with coattails, you know? Yeah. That's not me. I'm going to be somebody else, but this will allow me so much joy if I can go explore that mistake in the next one mistake. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's a great gift, especially if you've, you have it personally. Um, why not share it? Yeah, no, I'm gonna keep forcing her for a bit longer, I think. <laughs> Tell her it's my fault. Tell her I encouraged it. You wanted it out and some stranger was it's just like because it is, you know, it is really boring when you first learn. It is really hard. And I understand that that compulsion to just give up. But the thing is, is that it get, it, once you get through that, it's it is really fun and really satisfying. So it's, it's that really difficult line of knowing how far to push, you know, and being like, look, if you can just get through this first bit, and if you then still hate it, when you're actually playing cool stuff, fine. But at the moment, it's, you're not even there yet. You're not doing, you know, it's, it's, it's um, I can understand why she wants to stop, but um, I'm going to try and keep her going for a bit longer. I, I would argue that it's also like, you can, you, you're, you're developing tools right and so if you just give up then you are never going to know if those were tools that you would like to use in other contexts mm -hmm. and so i i feel like a kid learning piano is not really just a kid learning piano there's a, a lot more to it and and the, if if the kid can stick with it they might again they can rebel later but then they have such a great toolbox to utilize in so many different creative outlets outside it could be writing it could be as an actor it could be it's like an athlete it, yeah. you, you might not love playing basketball or football or soccer or whatever swimming but it sure is good to be developing your body yeah, right? yeah. okay uh, i'm conscious i'm conscious of the time so i'm going to ask you some two rapid fire questions if you don't mind okay um, and these are kind of mean questions that I ask of every composer, but first one is a, is a thought experiment. I'm not religious. It's just, you can answer this however you want. It's, um, you get in front of God in heaven or purgatory, wherever it may be, you're asked to, um, to, uh, play. You don't have to perform it. You can, you can press play. You can, any song, what do you do? What is your musical offering in that moment? That I've written or that's anything at all? You answer the question however you choose. Um, do you know what? I would probably play uh, the Four Seasons, um, the Max Richter re-recomposition, re, um, re uh, Spring. That's what I would Love play. It. Love it. Um, last question for you. Um, practical advice for upcoming musicians. Practical advice would be, um, I suppose, to, oh, gosh, I don't know. I just feel like such a kind of fraud when I have to give advice because it's like I don't, I didn't do any of the right things. So I don't feel like I can give people advice. Um, well, like I didn't go to school. I didn't study it. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't. I've kind of come into it in such a weird way that I am, um, I still feel like I need advice about how to do it. So, but I suppose my only advice that I would have is that you sh is to try and um, 
work out what it is that makes you special work out what it is that that you that that you're great at you know try and be good at everything but like try and work out what you're great at and just and have that knowledge and um and try and use it as a way I guess to just separate yourself from the pack a bit and don't maybe even try and be like everybody else and like oh this is the sound they want and this is the sound everyone's into so I'm going to be like that and I'm going to try and just be really strong in your aesthetic and your sound and what what makes you special and eventually like there will be the perfect job for you where it's like actually you're the best person who could do it you know and once you've done that there'll be so many other jobs that people go oh we need that sound you know we need that person because and um, I think that that is is a good thing to try and just really work out what it is that that your your you know um, strength is. I think, I think I think that that's priceless advice, and especially coming from uh, from you when you say you say I didn't do X Y Z, I didn't go to school, I didn't have a mentor, I didn't. Well, what 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 did you do? You presented your authentic self, right? And I think that that's what you're, to a degree, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I suppose so. And I think it's actually very practical to, to suggest that because if you get a watered down, I'm not saying that everyone that goes to school and has a mentor is this, yeah, of course. But, but, but it's sort of, you're studying others, you're putting on, on many hats Yeah. In that, in that process. And it can be challenging to figure out who you are. And so yeah. to have your own path, I think is really fantastic advice. Yeah, and sometimes you might lose out on jobs, you know, because like you're not right because you're something else, but then there will be something that, you, that you're so perfect for, you know, that those strengths suddenly are such a selling point that I think it's, you know, it's, it's worth sometimes going, oh, do you know what? I, I probably can't be, I'm not the person for that job. There's somebody else who's going to be brilliant at that rather than just trying to be, you know, everything to everyone. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, it's so nice talking to you. Thanks. Well, I really enjoyed that. I really did. Thank you. Me too.